Welcome back to the Quantum Podcast with myself, Ethan Morland, where I aim to speak to high performers about the hows and the whys behind what they do and break it down with them. So on today's episode, I have online coach and movement practitioner, Vic Hawksley. Vic is the owner of AIM Academy up in Sydney, which is a movement-based gym, and he is one of probably the best practitioners in the world in terms of the look good but move well movement. This is a great conversation for coaches or want to be coaches as we talk about building the foundations as a coach, some of the mistakes he made as he was on his way up in the business and also opening his gym aim. We also talk about Vic's ethos as a coach and also some important topics in terms of training itself. So we talk about the importance of play, something that gets lost as we get older, that we lose as we go into adults and you know something that as kids, we do so often, but as adults, we move into this more linear fashion of movement. And I think play is incredibly important, as you'll hear from Vic himself in this podcast. We also talk about educating your clients rather than just training them. They need to understand the whys behind what they're doing. They need to understand what they're doing, why it's important to them to do it. I think it's just really interesting conversation and a really interesting take on how to be a good quality coach and also how to improve your clients not just in the gym but their lives as well find vic's links in the description below and i hope you enjoy this episode the first question i want to begin with is where did your movement journey your sports journey begin amazing uh so it would be right back uh when i would have been at a tender age of 11 years old i um I was enrolled into my first rugby team, I think. I didn't know what rugby was and um, up to that point. And then um, basically that was, the, that was the catalyst really for everything. Um, you know, kind of uh, being in the UK, I couldn't really speak English. So kind of a little backstory, I guess, kind of I got shipped from Kathmandu, Nepal to UK. Um, so obviously new environment, new space, you know, kind of and obviously English not being the, the main language. Um, so sports effectively became, you know, my way of communicating with other people. So rugby was effectively the catalyst, you know, kind of obviously on the pitch, you know, kind of obviously, you know, physically we could communicate. Um, and that was really the start of everything, really. So, yeah, at the, end of, at the tender age of 11, rugby was the, the gateway. So how did you find moving to the UK then not knowing much English? Because obviously in the UK, no one speaks other languages. It's very <laughs> rare you find that. Now, for sure. I mean, kind of, you know, uh, you get used to the environment, right? You know, kind of, but I think that sort of age, you don't really have any options, right? You just kind of roll with it. Um, so it's a very steep learning curve. Um, and again, you know, big part of, because of that too, um, physicality, if you like, you know, physically being able to express myself was a huge part of, you know, kind of uh, my identity back then too, right? Because as I said, you know, English being the second language, you know, so obviously rugby would be in winter, but, uh, you know, there'll be other sports as well. Um, and uh, obviously summer would play, you know, would play like cricket, tennis, like a whole kind of thing. And most of these are obviously team sports effectively. So, you know, kind of obviously get to hang out with kids and, you know, different kind of caliber of kids. I was fortunate enough to be good enough to be playing, playing for not only schools, but in town as well. So, you know, it's like different sort of uh, uh, environment and setting, different kids, um, different backgrounds and stuff. So I got really kind of, you know, I was fortunate enough to be exposed to kind of, you know, uh, through sports. Uh, be exposed to different kind of people, you know, kind of, and, and that also kind of made the transition into, you know, the life in UK uh, a little bit, um, not easy, but simpler, shall I say, you know. So how long were you in the UK for? Um, so I was in the UK till uh, 2015. Oh, okay, so recent, pretty recent Correct. then. Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. So 
what made what made the reason for the move to Australia? Oh, that's very, very simple. Yeah, I did uh, basically my partner, she's Australian, and it was my time to basically pack my bag up <laughs> and then, you know, move move halfway across the world, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so my partner's Australian. I met her in the UK uh, and we've been together for, I don't know, kind of, you know, five, six years at this point. And we always knew, you know, we wanted to start a family and put a, um, you know, strong um, uh, roots, you know, somewhere. And being a nomad that I am, you know, kind of Nepalese and UK, my parents have lived in Dubai. So, you know, I'm a little bit of a mongrel anyway. So basically, you know, home is anywhere. There's a roof and obviously my loved ones around me. So it's very simple for me to, you know, pack the bags up and, um, you know, move to Australia. And obviously, since then, we haven't looked back. So I'm guessing you started coaching in the UK then? Correct. Yeah. So 2010 would be when I started coaching. Or so in 2009, started 2010. What made you want to get into coaching in the first place? Um, basically, uh, at the age of 18, you know, obviously when you finish school and obviously the sports and all that kind of stuff, you know, uh, obviously you come to a crossroad effectively where, you know, obviously if you want to continue or pursue sports, you know, you have to be set a certain caliber, if you like, both, you know, physically, but also like mentally and emotionally too. And, um, I wasn't one of those people who was willing to kind of sacrifice, you know, kind of a social life and, um, you know, the, the politics that went behind the scenes and whatnot. Um, so for a little while, kind of, you know, obviously I went back to Dubai to see my parents and whatnot kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, being physical or, you know, being able to physically express myself has always been a, a big part of my life. And um, I think that was around when, you know, I got started to uh, take into the gym effectively. And, um, you know, kind of obviously, you know, my friends and, you know, kind of myself, you know, kind of obviously in a gym environment, we didn't know what we were doing, obviously, you know, kind of, uh, uh, but, you know, I was looking around and I was like, hey, actually, I like doing this, you know, maybe kind of uh, I could do this, you know, for real, like, what is this, all this personal training business or whatever. So um, basically at the age of 19, I think kind of uh, the only time I've ever, you know, borrowed a large sum of money, uh, I borrowed a large sum of money from my parents and then uh, I enrolled myself at an academy in UK and, uh, you know, kind of uh, in London and um, basically kind of, you know, full-time studied to become, you know, PT. And then, um, again, fortunate enough to kind of go straight into a, an amazing job straight after school. So obviously you didn't go straight into the type of coaching you do now, which For is sure. very unique and very interesting. And we'll get into that in a bit, but where, was your starting point as a coach? How, what mistakes did you make and how did you then correct some of them? Ooh, where do I start? I mean, um, it's very, very simple, really, kind of. Uh, I remember day two, you know, kind of uh, in London at this amazing studio, you know, I was like, man, I've made it, you know, like most people kind of go to the global gym and have to walk the floors and all this kind of stuff. You know, I was like, I'm at a private studio in London, like I've got it made, you know, all one-on-one -on -one clients, that sort of thing. But day two, the kind of clients that I was getting, you know, they were obviously kind of a little bit more older demograph, you know, and, and I was, to my surprise, I was like, what do you mean you don't want to get jacked? You know, like, you, what do you mean you don't know what hypertrophy is? You know, like, like you're also 65 years old and like, you know, kind of whatever, you know what I mean? So it's a completely different, it's a massive shock. Um, and a quick realization that, I, you know, I really didn't know much, you know, kind of. Um, so basically, I guess that was the start off, you know, effectively trying to figure out, you know, kind of, um, how is it that I can uh, further de develop myself, right? So obviously attain knowledge, but most importantly, be able to bring it back in a manner that can actually start to apply with the people that I was working with. You know, and I, again, I was really, really fortunate enough to be obviously in a one-on-one -on -one setting and, and, you know, in a one-on-one -on -one setting, I had an array of people, you know, from a nine-year-old to, you know, uh, 
a nine-year-old, I think, you know, kind of my oldest clients, you know, and everything in between. So uh, obviously different needs, different wants, different contexts, you know, kind of different ways uh, people like to be spoken to, different way people learned. Um, so there was a lot of learning that I had to do on the job. And I think I was really, really lucky for those first, I'd probably say four to five years, you know, where I got to really sharpen those skills, you know, being able to obviously uh, develop people's skill, if you like. You know, obviously simultaneously also start to attain actual, you know, science, right? You know, the stuff that actually is really important too. Um, but obviously the most important thing is being able to blend this art and science of coaching. Um, so that's kind of basically, you know, uh, what my focus was at for the first, you know, four to five years. To answer your question long way around, you know, there was plenty of mistakes made. <laughs> you know, obviously I didn't know what I didn't know, but, you know, I was just working with the best set of tools and information that I had at the time. Uh, when I look back at it now, obviously it's barbaric, you know, but, um, you know, everybody has to start somewhere, right? And I think, again, uh, in hindsight, you know, kind of, um, I was very, very lucky and fortunate. 100%. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think a lot of PTs learn the hard way that actually not everyone wants to be a bodybuilder and just get absolutely massive. Like for myself, I coached in a, a gym where I was quite fortunate to coach actually because it was sports focused. So instantly there was the thing of not everyone here wants to be massive. Everyone is here for a specific reason. Like we had kids who were coming in who were, you know, athletes. They were, they were definitely athletes and we do individualized programs. And I learned quite a lot through that. And a lot of people who have spoken to who are coaches have this thing of they, they go into it as a bodybuilder and they come out with this whole different mindset of how to coach, like, they look at mobility, flexibility. Um, it's not just about how much can you lift, it's how well can you lift it, how slow can you do it, you know, how high can you jump. There's all these different parameters that they incorporate into it now because of that first client who was maybe older. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, there are so many different facets to this, right? I mean, let's, you know, simply stripping things back. I mean, we all got into this because, you know, let's say health and fitness as some capacity was our passion, right? And obviously we wanted to kind of go a little bit deeper at it. And um, obviously we've got our identity tied into that, right? So obviously the kind of things we're interested in, guess what? It's always gonna trickle down, you know, whoever we work with, right? Obviously at a young age and, you know, kind of uh, when I say young age, um, at the start of our journey, if you like, um, we have limited bandwidth and we also have limited experience and knowledge, right? But again, you know, we do best with what we have. So obviously kind of, you know, over a period of time, things start to compound and whatnot, right? So obviously we start to kind of realize that we're not trying to make our clients like us. You know, they are not us. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, kind of our responsibility and the role that we play in their journey, if you like, is very different to, you know, kind of how we've done, you know, kind of things for ourselves. And again, that's a mind shift almost, right? But pretty much no matter what, at the start, most people, you know, with the limited experience, they, we have to start somewhere, right? And obviously we start with experimenting things on ourselves. You know, the, let's say lifting is an example. As a young guy, you know, going to gym, probably not doing the right things, but like that's the limited experience that we have. So of course we're going to, you know, kind of trickle down, you know, um, uh, that information or that way of doing things to the clients that we work with the, at, uh, at the early stages. Um, you know, no one knows SNC and like kettlebell and flexibility, all that kind of stuff that gets developed, you know, on the job. Right. You know, and I think it's fair to say those people who stick around long enough, like, you know, we'll always be students first and teachers second. Right. So we continually want to sharpen our skills, you know, attain new information and knowledge and look to distill. And most importantly, again, being able to bring it back in a manner that we can actually use it 
in the real world with real people. That's where the real challenge lies. And obviously that's very, very limited at the start of anybody's journey. Oh, 100%. I think that's a good po- place to ask you the question. In terms of your coaching, what is your why? Um, that's a really good question. I mean, very simply, the way I like to think about it is, you know, if I had an end in mind, the end in mind would be very simply to be able to, you know, lead myself and those I choose to serve more powerfully. That is effectively me saying, I want to be the best versions of myself and I want to help somebody else do the same, right? And for me, that comes down to effectively, well, how can I improve the quality of life for the person in front of me? Now, that quality of life is, of course, very subjective, right? Because quality could mean something slightly different to you compared to, you know, my worldviews and, and, you know, clients of ours or a friend of ours and whatnot kind of thing. But regardless of what, you know, what definition that is for that person in front, like that's what I want to be able to kind of, you know, be able to help them with effectively. And that's what coaching is to me. You know, coaching is forming a relationship, right? And like any good relationship, it comes down to how well can we communicate? You know, how much of a trust do we have? Like, you know, and do we have the right tools and strategies in place that I can help guide or help navigate, you know, kind of somebody from where they want to be, you know, to where they want to go. In terms of building a relationship, it is a really interesting point because I noticed one of the major things that I learned with working with people as a coach was a lot of people don't actually come to the gym to lose weight, to build muscle, you know, to better themselves physically. They come for that relationship and to speak to people because they may have jobs where they, you know, they sat at a desk behind a phone all day or something like that. So learning that people sometimes just want to come to be able to interact with you and understanding that and you know maybe you do progress them physically in some way but noticing that actually this person is just here for the conversation that's a massive part of coaching that i think a lot of people completely miss yeah i mean you know uh, another great way to kind of look at coaching could be like you know obviously we have uh, so many different hats on right i mean at the very simplistic or by definition you know coach you know is i mean back in the day the horse and cart coach kind of thing is you know being able to take somebody from a to b right and the cool thing is you know that's not defined you know in terms of like how we get somebody from a to b right as you mentioned kind of thing for majority of gen pop effectively at a certain stage of their you know kind of fitness journey or their health journey if you like they don't know what they don't know you know this is not a normal thing for them Right. You know, kind of training once a week, twice a week, you know, it's, it's really going out of the way. And obviously we want to make sure if that's the time constraint that we have, like what's the best way we can make the most out of that. And of course, we all know that, you know, doing things consistently over a long period of time is how we really make a good change, you know, to come about. Right. And, you know, if we're like hell bent on like, cool, I know the perfect science and like the, I can create the perfect program for this session and that session or whatever kind of stuff. But that person just like, cool, whoa, this is a little bit too much. That person doesn't resonate with it. Like, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to buy into it. Right. You know, really, you're not really going to work with them long enough for all the science to work. So again, this comes back to the art side of things. You know, that being said, you know, if I've got the best personality in the world and I'm like, you know, biggest laugh and biggest banter and we're jamming, whatever kind of thing, that's great. But if I still can't get this person from A to B, well, that's also troublesome. Right. So it's a very fine line, you know, kind of, of course, this is this could be interpreted, you know, so many different ways. But we always have to kind of, you know, understand, you know, well, 
what's the intent behind you know working with this person like what's the actual intent where is it that we're trying to take this person where's the end in mind for this person it doesn't mean we have to have something solid like cool this date and exactly this sort of thing but we need some sort of end in mind then second to that obviously then you know we can create some sort of framework you know well well how does this person actually digest information you know like what is the context behind this person's physical you know kind of entity you know as well as what's their life context like you know and then how do we marry things together in a way that we can obviously you know give them what they want and as well as what they sort of need and that's where obviously you know where coach comes into play right we can look at a bigger picture we can help guide and navigate that person better so where did you find this niche where like what made you want to go and coach general population rather than focus on you know maybe sports performance coaching or even like bodybuilding like you used to do why this specific approach to coaching where you build from the foundations up um well this is where we, we can have the greatest impact right i mean let's kind of be real this is our livelihood right you know kind of uh, so you know looking at a professional side of things um we still need to be able to put food on our table and have roof over our head right and obviously kind of you know, when we first get into the industry, of course, you know, pro athletes and like performance, you know, like it sounds really cool and whatnot kind of thing. But it's also, you know, you, you got to know your staff and you got to be in the right environments. But most importantly, you have to understand that, you know, you're, you're not going to have the pool for athletes and high performance. It isn't that big, let's say. You know what I mean? There's obviously a lot of sacrifice that needs to be made. And obviously kind of the, the learning curves are pretty, pretty steep, right? As opposed to obviously kind of, you know, gen pop. I mean, there's a lot more of them. <laughs> Right. And yeah. also kind of, you know, there's this, this element of like, well, uh, there are so many, you know, kind of this limited pool, let's say, for, you know, athletes and high performance as an example. There isn't really. But let's say there is compared to gen pop. Um, you know, if everybody getting into the industry wants to train athletes and whatnot kind of thing, that's great if that's what you're passionate about. But obviously kind of for us to be able to do that for a long period of time, we also need that some sort of return. Right. Are we progressing as a coach? You know, kind of is it meeting our livelihood needs? Right. Are we actually growing as human beings as well as, you know, can I do this over a long period of time? And um, that simply, you know, kind of is, wasn't the case for me. Right. You know, kind of I was always interested in, you know, kind of sports and X, Y, Z. But um you know, kind of gem pop, there's something, you know, awesome about being able to help like an everyday person be, you know, kind of extraordinary, right? And that's the kind of the way we'd like to frame it up. Um, but also, you know, kind of from a business side of perspective, you know, livelihood perspective too. Well, there's a lot more of gem pop that I can help. Does that make sense? You know, kind of yeah. then, um, you know, I can do it in a way that's on my terms, right? Because obviously, let's say sports and athletes and XYZ, you know, competition, it's very, very cutthroat and obviously, you know, time limited constraints and whatnot. And it's not really, you know, in my headspace, it's not really about longevity for that matter. Does that make sense? You know, kind of I mean, yeah. athletes, you know, they're not the most, you know, healthiest people in the you know, world. Does that make sense? You know, kind of, yeah. uh, and it's not to kind of take anything away from that. Uh, but it just doesn't tie into, you know, kind of my values and where I want to be, you know, kind of, I see myself as a big experiment and the people that I work with, you know, they're into that experiment with me effectively. All right. You know, kind of, and obviously our, our time constraints isn't, you know, uh, trying to peak for a competition this year or, or next year sort of thing, you know, it's, Hey, can we be better than, you know, yesterday? Right. So, you know, kind of, and can we kind of do this for a long period of time to come? That's, that's, I, that's it. I like the, with coaching general population, there's an aspect of education rather than just coaching. Whereas with sports performance, it's a lot of just coaching them. They don't know why they're doing it necessarily. They just do it because they have to. So why do you take this route of education rather than just coaching your clients? Mm, 
there's two parts to it, right? So, you know, let's say we obviously have to be educators. We have to teach, right? You know, kind of, but teaching and coaching are two very different things, right? You know, kind of they're very, very similar, but teaching is, is a one-way street, you know, kind of I'm going to tell that person in front of me what to do, how to do it, why to do it. That's me teaching. That's me imparting a knowledge behind this thing that we're doing. Coaching is now, you know, sharpening that up. It's developing that further. Cool. How can we make, you know, this relevant, even more relevant to your context? That's what coaching is, right? It's like saying, hey, Ethan, cool, we're going to do, I don't know, a squat. And you just go up and down, that kind of thing. And then, like, coaching would be like, oh, cool. Like, I can see that with the ankles. Okay, how about, like, we work on, you know, the bar pathway or, like, you know, let's place, let's try this with the shoulders and the hands and let's try this with breathing X, Y, Z kind of thing. That's kind of in the coaching realm, right? You know, so I like the fact that there's a nice blend of teaching and coaching effectively, right? And that's what I'm more passionate about because effectively, you know, uh, uh, to see uh, how this, uh, the way I would kind of frame it up is like, you know, this fundamentals or essentials effectively that there's non-negotiables that we often like to kind of share with people. The cool thing is obviously we have to be colorful with it, right? Because obviously everybody learns differently, everybody digests things differently. So we also have to be creative with, you know, kind of how can we better communicate this simple or complex sounding idea, but in a simple manner for this person, right? And there's a level of fun in that too. So it's not monotonous, it's not the same shit over and over again, right? So we're not, I don't want to be regurgitating the same thing over and over again, effectively. Um, and, you know, this, the, the side that I kind of normally sees as well to this is uh, the way we kind of operate and the way we will kind of run, you know, aim effectively is there's obviously the teaching coaching side of things, but then we also then mentor people on the side, you know, kind of obviously coming back to this life context kind of thing. It's like, um, you know, we're talking about improving quality of life. Well, you know, physical elements is obviously, you know, one big part of it, but it's one part of it. You know, there are obviously other moving parts in there too. And we want to make sure that, you know, everybody understands not just the what, but also the why and how for them. And it's a, you know, it's a continual conversational piece, right? Because we're, we're never going to have everything in perfect balance because by definition, balance means, you know, kind of everything's going to be equal on either side and life's simply not that. So obviously you educate the people who come into your gym, you educate coaches, but when you're, you know, you're the owner of a business and you're at the top and you've got your client base and it can be quite, you can be quite, become quite settled in what you have. Mm -hmm. How do you keep educating? Like how and why do you keep educating yourself? Mm, because the day you stop growing, you sort of kind of are going backwards essentially. Right. But really kind of, you know, that's the, that's the age old saying, right. If you're not growing, you're gonna, you know, you're dying, right? Um, but simply put, to answer that question, you know, I think it's really upon us, you know, kind of to be making sure that we're, you know, you know, we're walking the walk, right? So, you know, kind of, you know, obviously people say, people also say, you know, you know, uh, don't fix what's not broken, sort of thing, right? But we're continuing looking to kind of uh, refine, right? So we're continuing looking to kind of you know, innovate and obviously kind of you know evolve as well, because you know, as I mentioned before what seemed perfect and you know, really, really good 10 years ago seems barbaric now. And that's just the nature of, you know, kind of, you know, people uh, compounding kind of thing, right? You know, uh, we don't know what we don't know. You know, also the kind of, the way we've set ourselves up is we want to make sure we're, uh, we're going out and obviously kind of, you know, the thing that we, the way we run, you know, the way we run AIM and the frameworks that we have and the way we, you know, uh, uh, perceive as well as communicate and implement, you know, the style of training that we do, we want to continue to keep sharpening it up, right? You know, because that's what's going to keep us, you know, kind of uh, evolving effectively and to be able to kind of help people that we work with best of our, best of our ability. 
at the very least, you know, we want to personally keep developing ourselves physically, right? Yeah. You know, kind of to be able to, you know, pursue cool things or like, you know, kind of to be devoted and, you know, for a certain time frame and work on a project to kind of see progress in that. Like, who doesn't want to see progress, right? But we just want to make sure we do it, you know, proactively and intentionally, right? So for that to happen, we need to kind of be stepping that, you know, that front foot forward at all times effectively. So how do you educate yourself? How, what resources do you use and all that sort of stuff? That's again a really good question. Um, there are a number of different ways, right? So obviously back in the day it used to be, you know, big certifications or, you know, kind of big new systems or methods or big names, big teachers, that sort of stuff, right? Um, I think in the recent years it's kind of uh, been more around, uh, you know, other peers in the business and in the industry, I guess, you know, kind of who are obviously carving their path. Um, you know, who are uh, doing uh, their bit by going deep into a certain topic, right? Or a certain project themselves, right? So whether it be like, let's say flexibility, let's say, you know, whether it be strength, um, you know, you name it, nutrition, whatever it may be kind of thing. And the really cool thing is, you know, being able to collaborate or learn from these people, right? And obviously kind of actually, you know, um, be able to communicate with these people firsthand. And uh, coming, you know, bringing things back, as I've been alluding, you know, we need to be able to kind of make this stuff work in the real world with real people. And before we can, you know, even lift and shift, we need to kind of, you know, be the walking, talking badasses ourselves, right? So kind of, you know, my simple thinking effectively behind, you know, the way to do this is, you know, obviously you go, you become inquisitive, you know, obviously you ask better questions, but also you start to implement some of the elements, right? So back into what, you know, what we already do and how we do things to see whether it lands or not, if it makes sense or not. Um, you know, there is nothing really new under the sun, right? However, you know, kind of how we share it or how it's shared, you know, kind of, hey, we can make that better, right? You know, kind of, and if we can learn how to communicate, you know, the stuff that we already do a little bit better, that's amazing because it's going to help more people more powerfully. Um, so, you know, for myself, you know, kind of, I just normally have projects, you know, kind of that I look to go hard in. Um, so, you know, let's say trying to attain like a physical attribute, whether it be like, let's say flexibility or a skill or a, you know, strength number, whatever it may be. Um, the simple fact is that I just got to have to put the work in, right? You know, everybody thinks there's a magic source or whatever kind of stuff. Uh, there isn't. It's just been consistent. However, along the way, you know, being focused on a project, you do want to listen to other people and obviously other things out there. So, you you know, you're mindful of it. Um, and, you know, kind of never say never sort of thing too, right? You know, kind of, you know, don't necessarily try it sort of thing, right? So, you know, we kind of implement, you know, a couple of some of the learnings um, or, uh, you know, key takeaways or whatever kind of stuff to kind of actually see whether, you know, this gels or not, this makes sense or not. And then most importantly, kind of how can we then make it more accessible and viable, you know, for everyday people? Uh, what you say about it is like, you know, don't diss it till you try it. I, so Lucas Aarons, who you went to his workshop, didn't you, for, yeah. in Sydney? Yeah. Um, so I bought, well, I used to do one of his programs and learning. So beforehand, I was a bit like apprehensive of the whole strength through range you know, when you're taught S&C at university, you're taught like, you know, if you're training an athlete, they should be like, they shouldn't be overdoing, they shouldn't be overdoing range, shouldn't be doing this, shouldn't be doing that. But actually, when you look at the, you know, the dynamics <coughs> of it, when you look at the dynamics of it, they actually sometimes end up in these ridiculous ranges of motion. And then obviously I saw your stuff, saw Lucas's stuff. I was like, actually, I'm going to give this a go. And when I gave it a go, it was actually really eye-opening as to like, 
this is really interesting. Like the feedback I'm getting from my body about different positions, you know, stripping weight back for one to be able to try these new things. And it's really humbling sometimes to actually try that thing that you may be like, mm, don't know about that, because it really pulls you back and goes, take a step back and, you know, learn from the ground up again. Because I think the problem is if you stay stuck in your own type of training, you don't progress really. Um, you know, let's strip that back a little bit more, you know, kind of effectively what we're saying here is like, we, we shouldn't be scared to be a fucking white belt, right? Simply put, yeah. you know, we only know what we know and we don't know what we don't know. And, you know, whenever we're presented with a new idea or new way of thinking, you know, it's a very human nature thing to be like, you know, like, what the, like, yeah. that doesn't make sense. You know, because my understanding at this point, you know, I'm some good sources and I believe in it and I live it and I breathe it sort of thing. It challenges your identity, you know, kind of. And, and I think this is why a lot of people kind of, you know, hold on to these dogmas, you know, kind of and, and take things emotionally, you know, it's, and that's effectively me saying personally, you know, like no, it's it's it, it seems so silly to me, you know, kind of um, that we don't know enough about something and, you know, the way it's been presented and, you know, that sort of thing doesn't make, we can't quite comprehend it because we do not know, we don't know the behind the scenes. We haven't experienced it ourselves. We haven't really taken the time or paid our due diligence in terms of, you know, the attempt to actually learn or be at least inquisitive about it, right? We just kind of be, become, we just become so dismissive of things. Um, and that's been, you know, a, a very normal way of doing things, right? You know, for a number of years, and I think we'll probably continue doing that, you know, um, you know, people have their own camps. You know, it's like um, even in the strength realm, you know, kind of there's so many different camps of, you know, schools of thought. It's like, you know, the age old, you know, like squat, like, you know, butt wink, like, you know, you can, yeah, butt wink's cool. Like, no, butt wink's not cool. You know, kind of. Uh, uh, Everyone's going to have their own there, There's always, you know, there's going to be so much debate, you know, like talking about, you know, you're talking about the injuries and stuff like that. This is, you know, so heavily generalizing, but let's say two, you know, two major ways, you know, or two most uh, common ways of getting injured is going to be number one, like, you know, let's say in athletic or sports or, you know, you're just going to have trauma, right? Direct trauma. Like you just, that's unavoidable, right? That's just like, you know, like we could say unlucky, but it's like, you know, that's just life, right? Accidents and shit happen, right? Um, but then the injuries themselves, you were talking about range and stuff like that. Like, you know, we never get injured in those strong positions, right? We get like mostly injured in the fucking places that we don't never go into or the, you know, weakest range of motions or where, where, wherever we can't produce large forces of, you know, kind of um, large forces effectively, right? We're not resilient. We don't go there. We're not resilient. So, of course, you know, by force, if we, you know, by accident we get there, um, our body's probably not ready to withstand that sort of stress. So it's going to crumble somehow, right? Um, there's that element to it, you know, and there's, of course, the, the mentality as well, you know, where um, people kind of generally want to... <laughs> see where the limit is as well right there's the other side to it as well you know kind of and that's me saying effectively you know kind of let's say in the strength realm or like you know pushing our bodies effectively you know we're so accustomed to kind of putting so much stress in the body right it almost feels like you know we're just kind of seeing how much a body can handle that stress right until it hits that breaking point <laughs> yeah right so there is also this kind of you know this, this thinking where for something to be, you know, kind of done for a, a long period of time and ridiculously well, I often say, you know, like stay two steps behind what you think you should be doing, right? Because you can do that ridiculously well and you can do it, you know, consistently, right? And of course, you can still, you know, every now and then kind of push the outer edges or the boundaries of what you think you can do. And it's a good way to kind of see whether you're actually two steps back or four steps back, right? You know, or one step back, maybe, I don't know. Um, 
but you know, again, it's, it needs to be proactive. It needs to be conscious, effectively. You know, um, but coming back to the you know the white belt analogy kind of thing, uh, there's so much good stuff out there, right? And coming back to it, like you know, it may pique our interest, but we also then have to be mindful of the the you know what's the end in mind with this? You know, of course. Oh, I love strength training and I'm squatting right now. So yeah, I'm going to be listening to this person who's going to be talking about squatting X, Y, Z. Oh my God, it made such a change when I implemented what they listened to. Cool. The person that I'm working with a squat, you know, kind of who doesn't know how to squat really, like who's not at that level. I'm going to make these, you know, small, it's like, whoa, just because it worked for me. You know what I mean? And like, you know, kind of, it's like, I don't need to now overhaul somebody else's. You know what I mean? So like, that's not yeah. how you bring about changes either. And that's another thing, you know, it's like, um, it's like attending seminars or workshops, right? You know, and you, you had your mind blown away. You're like, oh my God, it makes total sense. And fuck, yeah, they just need to come back on Monday. You know, you've forgotten 80% of it, right? The 20% that you do remember, 10% of it, you can't apply it on anybody that you know, right? And the 10%, you're just like, you're just trying to practice it because you're just like, I'm going to use this on everybody. <laughs> it's with that kind of thing, you know, it's a lot. I, like for me, when I tried the strength through range stuff, it's like you have to find what works for yourself. Like the program said to do all this this stuff. I tried some of it. I personally didn't like it. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do something else. But the things that I was like, oh, you know, this is this is working well for me, like creating a bit more range. I'm feeling better when I come out of the gym, like my recovery is better. I'm going to keep this. Like you can't just because someone says do this exercise, just you know go and do it because a lot of the time programs are generalized they're not specifically for your needs so it's kind of you've got to pick and choose what is going to work for your body and you know your mind it's essentially uh, in the long term i mean that's why we have a coach right that's why we do coach you know program is very simple simply just a organized chaos right you know kind of and if we write a program a general program as you say or a program with the end in mind um that's probably not gonna be best suited for most people Right, but remember, program is effectively a framework. It's a guideline, if you like, at best. Right, especially if it's something that isn't really designed for you or your particular needs. Right, or you know, something that is so new to somebody. Right, and this is why also then we need to kind of be mindful of like, well, how that program is being interpreted. Right, you know, like how is it actually being implemented? How is it being taken? And how is it being used effectively? Um, and you know, it's it's a it's a limiting belief of mine which I'm trying to overcome, right? You know, which is effectively, you know, programming is the fucking easiest thing in the world for me, you know, kind of, it's like, it's because literally what I just said there, you know, like it's just, it's a framework, it's a guideline, right? Um, but there's a sense of like super overwhelming feeling, right? When it comes to programming, because it feels like so complicated, you know, it's like, well, how do I get this, you know, like how do I make this personalized and like, you know, nuanced and like X, Y, Z kind of thing, right? Um, this is why, you know, you got to simplify things a little bit, right? You know, um, my limiting belief is that when I put a pro, you know, I, I don't put programs out just randomly, <laughs> you know, because I don't know who it's going to be used by and how it's going to be used in X, Y, Z. Um, and, you know, that's a limiting belief. The reason I say it is because, like, uh, I think there are smart people out there, you know, and I think there are people who, you know, kind of a generalized program, a framework or a guideline, if you like, will work wonders. You know, kind of hearing your story around, you know, I think just the introduction of the idea or the concept of strength or length was a powerful one, right? The tools being used, not all of it was as effective, it sounds like. However, you found some, right, that were like, oh, shit, yeah, there's bang for buck. Well, I, I get this. It resonates with me. For you to be enough, 
again, more inquisitive to go a little bit deeper. All right. So, you know, kind yeah, of numbers no, to expand on me. that. This, yeah, they, they stayed with me now. Like they, this was, I started that program over a year ago and a lot of them I keep in programming. At each cycle will be there like a little dose of them because I know they work and I know they're good for me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is where obviously a coach comes into play, right? You know, kind of effectively, you know, the, the, the words we'll use here is like, you know, uh, trial and error, right? You know, so we know in science, this is based and this is the stimulus. So this is the stress that we're trying to, you know, kind of elicit and adaptations and a blah, 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 you know, all terms. But in the real world, how does it land on this person? You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, you know, choose any long range work or short range work or any skill or whatever kind of stuff. Hey, so I've got this A grade, you know, kind of amazing program and we just follow to the T like, you know, it's going to get you mad results in like in 12 weeks time, whatever. Right. Uh, and the person goes through the experience and it's like, man, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, okay. An A plus program, you know, done not so well, <laughs> is not great, you know, kind of as opposed to something like a, a C plus program, but done consistently, somebody who enjoys it and like it resonates with it, like they're going to do that more often. They're going to see more progress from that C plus program. You know what I mean? I, kind of like. Yeah, I like with your, obviously you have anatomy and motion, which is your gym and you don't do like every other person who has a bit of a following online. They do, like you said, generalized programs. Well, not everyone, but most. They'll do generalized programs that they can sell because it's an easy way to make money. But you don't do that. You stay within your gym. You know, you only program for people within your gym. Why is that? Uh, Two part. Obviously, it's loyalty to the people that we have here because obviously we invest a lot of time. You know, we talked about teaching, coaching and mentoring. You know, it's a lot of energy work. Right. So, you know, we put a lot of energy into understanding the person in front of us. Obviously, we create, you know, deep, meaningful relationships that last for years you know like we retain people ridiculously for a long period of time which is amazing um and you know i alluded to before it's a limiting belief of mine from the online programming and stuff like that uh and as i mentioned you know i don't think it's a wrong thing or a right thing or a good or bad thing it's just something that you know i believe needs to be done properly right you know i think if you're going to put something out there it can only just be like follow a b c d e f whatever kind of thing there needs to have it needs to have context right and i think kind of this is something that we're working towards, you know, kind of, you know, we've had people reach out, you know, for a number of years now, you know, like, do you do online programming, you know, like do that kind of thing. Um, and we always say, you know, unfortunately we don't, you know, like the only thing that we run online is online coaching programs, you know, kind of for coaches, right. Which is still like coaching. You know what I mean? The programming is one side of it. It's like they do work and obviously they follow a program, whatever kind of thing. Um, but it's deep and meaningful in the sense that we actually take coaches on a journey, like a coaching journey, effectively, where we physically develop them, but also kind of give them the tools to be better coaches, right? Um, in the uh, currently, we are working on online programming, but we want to kind of give a little bit of a, uh, a context, right? So it's not going to be like you know a program to unlock X, Y, Z kind of thing. We call it foundation program. So again, within this, you know, the umbrella foundation and fundamentals, you know, we want to present it in a way that people have the options. You know, cool. This is going to be the the baseline. However, if you're not here, like you need to be focusing on these elements or like, you know, understanding how to be able to self auto regulate effectively. Right. Because a big part of uh, our job as coaches, if we're doing our job right, is also to make somebody a little bit more autonomous. Right. If we're doing our job right, if we're educating somebody, you know, getting them to take more ownership for themselves, we want to make them, you know, be a little bit more kind of, you know, autonomous in the sense that they should be, you know, they should be able to auto regulate. I mean, you know, you're a smart cookie and obviously you're a coach as well. And obviously you understand the science behind things. And, you know, for you to 
be introduced to a new concept like let's say strength through range or flexibility if you like you know at a, at a, the, at a simpler terms um, you know and for you to be smart enough to kind of go cool these particular tools doesn't resonate with me but oh cool this is amazing all right cool i'm going to integrate this and you know trying to be expansive and be able to build on that right so, you know obviously not uh everybody's like that right so, but you know we should be at least trying or attempting to educate you know the person who's, who's going to be trying to pursue a certain amount of work um and that's where our headspace is at right now so yeah with obviously anatomy in motion you've created this uh this large base but where where did the creation of it, the conception of it come from? Um, as I alluded to before, you know, kind of having done one-on-one -on -one for so many years, like six, seven years, and obviously kind of, you know, in those years, always being out to be a sponge and learn from others and, you know, different systems, methods, X, Y, Z kind of thing, um, you'd always kind of go to a certain camp, right? You know, kind of and always come back with this dogma, like, this is the business, you know, this is the only way to do things, or like, you know, strength and conditioning, oh my God, everything's gotta be about this, or like, you know, this is the end in mind. Um, but coming back and obviously the most important thing, you know, working with real world people, um, it was always like, well, this works for this person in this certain context, but it's terrible for that person, <laughs> you know, same thing with other tools and X, Y, Z. Um, so really kind of, you know, uh, for me pretty early on, it was a quick realization. I'm like, you know, it's not a good or bad or right, wrong thing, but it's effectively trying to get the right thing for the right person. Right. And again, that's where the nuance and the context are really, really important. Um, you know, there are a thousand different ways to skin a cat, right? You know, however, we want to make sure we can do something in a manner that a, it resonates with somebody, right? So as I talked about before, you know, being able to have somebody long enough where we can continually, you know, kind of get this science to actually work long term. Um, you know, for me, it's never been a short term thing effectively. So, you know, over the years, you know, having accumulated certain knowledge, X, Y, Z kind of thing, it was almost like kind of, okay, I want to blend, you know, different ideas or concepts together. Um, you know, different schools of thoughts, bring them in. You know, I think it's really, really important that most people that I tend to kind of work with, they're not trying to be, you know, athletes or trying to go to Olympics or like that sort of thing. You know, most people that I have, uh, this is not their main thing. <laughs> you know, this is a way for them to improve their quality of life. Well, what are the certain attributes or skill sets they need for them to improve their quality of life physically? And that's how I start to kind of hone in and distill. Okay, cool. Like, what are the basics? Or what do I consider to be basics? Now, how do I make that readily available? And how do I kind of you know, expand on this? And then how do I create opportunities to start to layer more complex ideas on top of that? So it's almost like a, you know, a, a journey, if you like, right? It's always been a work in progress, and it's still a work in progress. The, the idea of the gym that you have, like the way you train people, is really, really interesting to me. But I want to understand, because the gym's been open for how many years? Uh, since 2018. 2018. So for f it's been open for four years. So obviously in that time, you've been able to progressively build this base of clients. How was that first year? Because you don't have this normal training style where a lot of the time with general population, it's going to be a lot harder to get them to buy into it. See, we think that, but I think it's, you know, uh, we have our own quirky way in the sense that first and foremost, our belief is that, you know, we're not for everybody because, you know, everybody's not going to fit into our mold or mindset. People are not ready. Right. You know, kind of and also, you know, we're a big lifestyle thing. And, and a lot of people, you know, I think it's fair to say have to go through different experiences. Right. You know, um, so that's the first thing in mind. You know, we've never been really about, you know, trying to uh, forcefully, you know, put ourselves on somebody else effectively. You know, kind of we want to be open and transparent in the way we do things, which is a little bit quirky, as I mentioned, um, you know, to a point where within the uh, first year and a half, we had a wait list for the gym. You know, like a, a gym that you can't actually pay money to get into, 
you know, we don't do any drop-ins and things like that, which is very, very cool. And of course, COVID happened, right? Uh, but we're in the rebound. Um, but to answer your question kind of thing, you know, uh, for us, it's always been, you know, cool being able to express ourselves physically in, in a number of different ways. Uh, but the first and foremost thing is we want to make sure, you know, kind of people have two things uh, which are, you know, our biggest values, which is the education environment. You know, education happens in different formats. You know, kind of everybody learns differently, everybody digests things differently, everybody, you know, kind of uh, likes to be communicated differently and whatnot kind of thing. Environment is just equally as important, right? So again, to, coming back to, you know, does this place, you know, kind of instill enough trust and confidence for that person to be themselves, right? So, you know, kind of can this be a platform? Uh, can the, the culture in-house, you know, is it at that place where they feel confident enough to kind of lean into the work, right? Uh, and that all kind of, you know, comes back to effectively uh, influence the biggest training variable that we can ever have, which is, you know, that individual's effort. You know, kind of obviously we present them with the ideas, the frameworks, the planning, the science, X, Y, Z kind of thing, but it's their effort, right? That really counts. And again, you know, we need to understand as coaches too, like how to, you know, manage different emotions and personalities that drive that individual, you know, because that person is not, is, isn't always going to be 100% every day of the week, right? You know, we're going to have different ebbs and flow in life and so on and so forth. So again, it's a, it's a big, you know, kind of... Uh, um, a piece for us, you know, kind of in terms of how we communicate what we do, right? You know, kind of in the way we bring people in. Um, it's again, very, very, I'm going to say regimented, you know, kind of, because uh, I'll be honest, you know, I'm a, I'm a dictator. <laughs> Not a lot of people know this, you know, I'm a dictator when it comes to the basics, you know, because regardless of your experience or what you've been exposed to, if you don't have the basics dialed in and we don't have a way to communicate and have certain terminologies in place, we don't have any reference points we can use to really meet you where you're at in the future, right? So, you know, kind of trying to get you to what you think you need, the high level, cool looking things, X, Y, Z kind of thing, normally break down at top end, which means we have to keep coming back to this fucking bottom end to just to get things going again. So it just makes sense to kind of go, okay, let's start here because we can, there's only one way up. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's a big part of, you know, our culture and, you know, kind of everybody's a white belt regardless of their experience and, you know, what they've been exposed to. Um, because handing out belts is simple. <laughs> you know, making shit hard is the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. The, the way your coaching works, I think, is very interesting because you say about on, the, on your website about personalization for every individual who comes in. But you do a lot of one-to-one, -one, no, not one-to-one, -one, uh, group coaching. So how do you get that personalization into the group coaching? It's a really good question. So there's two ways that we kind of normally work here in AIM. So we two modalities called, one's called squad, and then one's called tribe. Uh, squad is effectively four and one, and that's the individualization. So imagine four individuals, you know, kind of in a space, but they're working on their own projects, their own program, if you like. And that's the centerpiece. So that's the personalization element. Rain, hell or shine, once a week, everybody at AIM is committed to working on themselves, to do the thing they need to, to go where they want to go. Then the tribe is that collective, right? It's that group programming, if you like. And of course, we have different varieties, different projects, different themes, you know, lift, uh, strength and movement, you know, get bent, uh, GST. And within that, you know, kind of we know our group training six months in advance. So we're simply reverse engineer things. So we combine the personalization, what's happening in the squad and complement that with the, you know, what they can do in the tribe sessions too. So this is what I mean by kind of the mentoring side of things too. So the teaching and coaching obviously happening in the sessions, whether it be the squad, the personalization or the group, but the mentoring happens, you know, every 12 to 16 weeks where we get to sit down with an individual to kind of reflect and review what's happening. Why is it happening? You know, are we on track? Are we not on track? Do we need to reframe things? Do we need to take things off the table? Do we need to put things on the table and so on and so forth? That's how we bring the personalization elements in. I really like how you, 
it's not like a personal training service. It's more, it no. is like an education, but also you have these, like, like you said, you just have, you have these sit down conversations with people and go, so what is working for you? What isn't working for you? Like, how can we progress you forward? Because I think a lot of the time coaches don't do that. They just think, oh, this person wants to do this. So we're going to do this. And that's where they miss a lot of personalization. Yeah, I mean, it's also kind of definition of personalization too, right? You know, I talked about, you know, we're, we're into creating relationships and whatnot. And, you know, we have people for a long period of time, right? And, you know, as I mentioned before, not everybody's, you know, the same as when they started, right? You know, um, and if we're doing our job right, if we're educating them right, if we can get them to take more ownership and whatnot, we also need to kind of, you know, I talked about being a dictator at the basics, you know, the, the basics and the foundation. But if we're trying to create savages too, like we also need to allow them a certain degree of freedom at a certain stage, right? You know, and it's not to say like, hey, let's just go do stupid things, you know, like now you're ready, go, you know, sort of thing. But it's like a different conversation, you know? And I think, you know, when you put this responsibility, you know, this kind of amount of freedom back into their bucket effectively, you know, it's a status upgrade too, right? You know, it's almost like when I said before, like a belt system kind of thing, right? You know, uh, I don't know if you know martial arts or not, I love jujitsu, yeah. you know, kind of jiu-jitsu. most people, yeah, most people who do black belts, they go like, now my jiu-jitsu starts, <laughs> you know, kind of versus us yeah. like, you know, white belts or whatever kind of thing. It's almost like, you know, like we're just survival mode right now. <laughs> you know, it's like, cool, just commit to the next 10 years and then your journey is going to really start, right? Um, but, you know, like effectively, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And obviously at the start, you know, kind of that teaching is going to be way more important. Then we kind of transition into that coaching element side of things, right? And then we come in the more the mentoring level effectively. So again, something that we have to be mindful of is, you know, we want to be doing the, the right next thing, not right thing, wrong time, right? And that's what most people tend to do. It's like, you know, hey, I want to get stronger. Oh, well, there's a five by five program that you can do. It's like, but that person doesn't even know fucking what a squat is. You know what I mean? So it's like the biggest yeah. bang for buck is an example. Um, and that doesn't mean they can't squat, you know, kind of, it means we need to reframe this and we need to be clear on what the outcome is going to be. Cause there's nothing fucking worse than doing something with no intent, right? Cause you don't know if it's working or not. Right. And you know, as you've mentioned before, a lot of coaches fall into this trap where they'd start doing the, the right thing, quote unquote out, but you know, things get stale because there's no conversation that's had. Right. There's no expectations. There's no kind of, uh, you know, ownership for us coaches on our side. Does that make yeah. sense? You know, because it's, again, we're taking the easy road out, right? So, because we're like, well, I'm doing my job, right? <laughs> yeah. The, the AIM gym has this, like, feels like this massive community of people who are all friends, it seems like. Like, everyone knows each other within the gym because a lot of gyms, are, I feel like a problem is, is you don't know anyone when you go in. You walk in and you don't speak to anyone. You have your headphones in and you walk out, whereas there, everyone trains together and you have this, like, large community where it seems really great to be around for the people in it so what's the importance of having a community like that well you know let me just kind of reframe that a little bit of course we're a community because everybody knows each other's names everybody's lovey-dovey high fives and whatnot but the terminology we often use is you know we're a tribe right and that that word is a really important one for us because you know big part of being a tribe is like two things for us you know number one is every individual is super clear on the intent of them being here and they understand the context you know of the work that's kind of put in front of them so they can take ownership of it, right? They have the pathway to elevate themselves. Then the second part of this is they're also here to contribute to someone else's growth at the same level, right? And if everybody adheres to these two kind of principles and like they embody this, you know, the culture that we have here is that we have people from different walks of life. These are everyday people, you know, and there are people who have their own passion or hobbies outside here. And there are people here who do this as their major thing, but they all gel. 
because they know why they're here and they're also here to help somebody else elevate themselves as well. And that's like that, that, you know, it's the, the saying like, you know, it takes a village, <laughs> right? So, you know, kind of, and, and that's a really cool thing, right? And this is something coming back to the environment piece, you know, how we run our coaching, you know, like when we do group training, it's not a case of like, all right, guys, look at the TV screen. Let's, uh, d- 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 this is what, this is how, oh, go, you know, sort of thing. You know, we make people responsible for each other. You know, kind of it's like, you know, if you're teaching it, you're learning it twice. You know, that also means, cool, can you provide feedback for this person, right? Can you actually see what's going in, right? Obviously, it doesn't happen from day one, but that's what we're looking to cultivate effectively, right? So, you know, can you be responsible for this human being? And part of that responsibility is effectively you have to guide this person. So the person doing the work now doesn't only have the coach or coach's eyes, but also like their tribe, right? They're, they're kind of peers as well. And that makes working with intent even more powerful. Right. So even when you're 40 percent on any given day, you're going to get 100 percent out of that 40 percent as long as you just show up and you lean into the work. And again, that's a culture thing. You know, that doesn't happen from day one. Right. You know, kind of. um, But, you know, the way we coach, the way we, you know, the way we go about um, educating every individual is that the ultimate goal here is to kind of, you know, take ownership for ourselves. You know, there's a lot of love and attention, of course. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of guidance and whatnot kind of thing. But we also need to kind of prepare people. Remember what I said around, you know, we, we exist because we want to help people move better, better prepare their bodies to do whatever they want, whenever they want to do it. But a big part of that is like they also have to take hold of, you know, the quality of life, what they believe to be quality of life, right? Because we want them to be able to go outside these four walls and be impacted. You know, within these four walls, that's cool. Like, you know, we can say that's our role, that's our responsibility to elevate themselves here physically. Um, but we're really trying to kind of develop them more mentally and emotionally too. So they have the physical intelligence and the vocabulary to kind of go apply that shit outside here. You know, when we integrate people in, the, in a group setting, you know, um, you know, social intelligence is a big thing. It's like, you know, being a team member, right? You know, and this is a high level, you know, team, if you like, you know, kind of, if you're not, let's say rugby team, football team, whatever kind of stuff, you know, these people, they're your people. You rely on them. You know, they will have your back on the days that you're not going to be hundred percent, but you're always going to be there for them as well. Does that make sense? You know, so yeah. it's like, well, I don't need a, you know, kind of premiership team to kind of, you know, do this sort of stuff. It's like, cool. Can I give everybody a purpose and a reason, right? The, the underlying concept is the same thing, you know, kind of, there's a certain discipline, you know, there's a certain, you know, foresight in terms of being intentional with the work that we do and how we go about doing that work. Um, so that's all kind of coming back to that culture and environment piece, which is a you know big part of aim. I feel like one thing I want to bring up is deadlifts and dumplings. That <laughs> is one of the greatest ideas I've ever seen. Like to not only just for like the you know get people in and get people testing and stuff like that, but you're creating a bit of a an atmosphere around it where it actually will probably cultivate people to do better lifts and you know because there's this environment where everyone's sort of egging them on to do better and you know it's for a sure. party as well for sure i think kind of a little caveat there is that you know kind of it's a it's a definitely an event obviously where we benchmark you know deadlift we do three rms on deadlifts um but it also kind of drives our programming and stuff and it also helps us to kind of instill you know this this purpose right so as an example normally it's mid-year so we normally do kind of do it in june time effectively and then basically the first six months of our lift program is derived around strength Right. Whereas like, you know, the second part of the year, the six months is more power build focus. Right. It's like, hey, let's slap some muscle when not lose strength. And like, but the first six months is like, let's be all about fucking strength, you know. Um, but again, we can talk about gen pop. Right. So again, kind of giving them that reason, you know, the first 
uh, 12 weeks, the first three months of the year, it's going to be more GPP style of training. You know, it's going to be uh, effectively, you know, hey, let's add a little bit of mass. Let's kind of, you know, lift different varieties of lifts. You know, let's bend those knees. Let's hinge the hips in different ways. And we're still deadlifting XYZ as an example. But then, you know, 12 weeks out, you know, kind of prior to the deads and dubs, as an example, you know, if the, through the GPP phase, and this is all science talk, talk that you obviously understand, you know, we get to do some benchmarking to see, you know, what, what the GPP has done and like, you know, where we're at with our current deadlift. Because 12 weeks of work, periodized work, into deads and dump, cool. Guess what? Everybody calls it PB week. I know it's a joke, but like, you know, it gives, it gives people the reason, right? So, you know, kind of to stay true and consistent with their, their effort and training. And, um, you know, something that we kind of do with uh, in other areas too, you know, kind of like, let's say flexibility as an example. We often kind of, you know, use this terminology project. Right. You know, because let's be honest, no one's really ever done with a project. Right. You know, there's always work in progress. Right. Um, but the idea is that, you know, as we undertake a project, we become focal right into this thing. This is the particular attribute or this is the particular thing that I'm going to be developing over the period, this period of time but to uh, to understand, you know, where are we now? And then obviously do the work. And then where are we now? <laughs> right. Because that sort of kind of gives us a nice summary or you know reflection point to see what have we attained or what have we learned? Because they're moving on to the next project. It's not a case of like dumping all that. It's like, well, what are the, some of the elements that we can bring into the mix, right? Yeah. And again, it's that, you know, people don't see it that way initially, right? But that's, again, our part of, you know, our role to be able to kind of, you know, um, put that in the limelight in some capacity, right? Yeah. Especially with those people who want to, you know, be savages. Oh, 100%. And then you have the, the internship for coaches. So why did that come about and why did you want to not just you know use your knowledge for yourself but why did you want to educate other coaches your about around your style of training and coaching uh so just want to be really clear i understand the question are you talking about internship or yes, the internship, the yeah. so the internship first came about simply because obviously uh you know growing aim we're going to be limited by obviously the leaders that are within aim right um, and I've never been the sort of person who's ever believed that, like, you know, hiring people off the street to do what we do. And, you know, as you kind of probably can tell from the conversation we're having right now, there's so much nuance and so much detail involved, right, to give people access to the, the people here without, you know, kind of prior knowledge or understanding of our ethos and, you know, kind of what we believe in and how we like to do things um, would seem very, very silly. So we have internship, you know, for, you know, uh, we initially started the internship with the uh, pure role of you know developing coaches right you know team members effectively leaders within aim and that's effectively what it is still you know kind of it's the only way you can potentially be you know kind of working for aim right so it's a three-month program uh, a three-month uh proposition effectively in-house but prior to doing internship you have to do our eight-week online coaching program which is effectively you actually get to train and move so you have to walk the walk right where we actually kind of give you the understanding of why do we you know kind of what do we mean by kind of foundation of fundamentals and xyz so again very similar way that we bring everyday people into aim as well and then you get you know kind of if you're interested in, in an internship then you have to spend 12 weeks with us and in that 12 weeks you know it's effectively um not gonna lie it's super intense <laughs> you know there's no there's not two ways about it because there's so much information coming in but also opportunities you know kind of our whole sole purpose behind internship is to create you know best humans that we could possibly do and obviously out of that also coaches right but best human first and for this reason we don't also kind of you know go about saying like you have to be like you know degree oriented or like you know have this you know moving capacity or whatever kind of stuff like it's the attitude effectively right it's the mindset 
we can build people from the ground up. This is what we do, right? So again, building coaches, we can build coaches, great coaches from the ground up, right? Um, so the idea behind internship is to create a space and time where we can effectively impart what we believe in and how we'd like to do things uh, and to really see whether this person could be the right person to eventually, you know, take helm at aim, uh, be responsible in terms of leading squads and, you know, tribe sessions, but also then the programming eventually, as well as then bringing new people into business and things like that as well. And it's a big, big feat. It's really, uh, I really like the idea of it, the way that you go about you know, hiring people, so to speak, is like really rather than not, you know, just a an interview or in a terms of a PT where they may come in for one session, they'll be like, right, take this one session. You don't actually see what they're like. You and it's, just see it. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, you know, kind of the one of the dreams that obviously kind of again to come back to livelihood and put into from business terms as well, you know being a PT and obviously being in this industry is all cool, you know, but obviously, you know, most of the time, you know, if you're not working, you ain't getting paid, you know, kind of, and, you know, it can, you know, be stressful at times too, right? So one of the, you know, having been a coach and especially in one-on-one environments, you know, working my ass off, don't know how many hours per week or whatever kind of stuff, like it takes a toll on us, right? And obviously at a young age, sharpening our tool, learning, you know, that's the, that's the path that we have to kind of walk through. Um, and a big goal of mine has always been kind of effectively to have, you know, people who are leaders within AIM not have to be stressed out in that manner, you know. So what I mean by this, you know, I don't want people to be contracted out as an example. You know, I want to have, you know, full time, you know, people in here who like AIM is not just my thing. It's their thing as well. You know, if anything, you know, kind of like we always kind of say this, you know, we're not looking for another Vic. You know, we want another great person who brings their own flavor to, you know, what we do and how we do things. You know, the internship is more around, you know, passing on our beliefs, our ethos, our vision for AIM effectively. And for somebody to embody that and obviously to add to that and help us evolve this, you know, that's what we're looking to kind of cultivate. Right. You know, kind of and that, as you said, cannot be happening from like one chat. Right. You know, kind of and, and whatnot kind of thing. Um, so yeah, this is why we had the internship and obviously the coaches program, you know, kind of in place. And then I want to move on to your training as well. So one thing that when I came across you, it was I basically just had foot surgery and I was looking for ways to train that because it was during COVID as well. I was looking for ways to train where it didn't require weight, it just required me. And I came across your your stuff through like ring muscle ups, you know, skin the cats, stuff like that. So I started to learn these bodyweight exercises and I was like, why have I been lifting weights all this time when actually I am enough weight to provide stimulus for not growth, but strength, you know, being able to get into different ranges. I was like, fucking hell, this is a revelation. What's going on? Um, so where did the, the bodyweight stuff come into it for you? Um, I think kind of like most people, you know, who get into the movement realm, I get impacted by the, the McDaddy, you know, Ido Portal at some point through his YouTube video. And I remember distinctly back in probably start of 2015 or end of 2014, just before I moved to Australia, um, you know, I was like, just came across and then I was just like, man, that's exactly what's going through my head. You know, the way he was talking about it, X, Y, Z kind of thing. And um, you know, I was already into a lot of bodyweight type of stuff there, you know, with a TRX and things like that, you know, I would go down to, you know, Clapham Commons, you know, kind of like the Cali bar, whatever kind of stuff and try to bust that muscle ups, you know, obviously CrossFit was obviously well and truly in the scene and, you know, the gymnastic component from there as well. Um, so the bodyweight was kind of, you know, something that I was always interested in and I was sort of kind of doing. Um, 
But then, you know, when I saw the kind of the, the movie culture type of work and that, you know, people on fucking one arm handstand and doing weird shit like, you know, lizard crawls and like this local motion thing or whatever, which was still kind of pretty primitive back in the day, effectively, you know, compared to what it is now, you know, I was like super intrigued. Um, and then when I started to kind of do it, I was like, fuck, this is really hard. <laughs> right. And I'm like, and then it was like one of those age old things where we're like trying to fucking distill things, trying to figure out like, well, how do I make this, you know, actually achievable, you know, kind of for me. Right. So I'm trying to like, you know, I don't have the flexibility yet. I didn't know anything about flexibility back then either, you know, kind of. And then I didn't want to kind of get a divorce from the strength training that I was doing. Right. Because I was like, no, I want to be so yoked, you know, like a 16 year old Vic, you know, kind of. Um, so there was this, you know, huge discord in terms of the styles and modalities of training that I was doing or wanting to do. Um, but that's also, you know, something that I had to walk through, right? You know, as I said before, I don't know what I don't know. Um, and it was only kind of trying to dive into so many different things and doing fucking half-ass shit, you know, that I was like, like only obviously seeing, um, seeing progress over a short period of time, of course, because, you know, my body's never done this kind of thing. And it's like suddenly from gone from shit to like, oh, I, I sort of understand it sort of thing. Um, but never really kind of like good enough or like, you know, really fucking, you know, excelling at it. Um, and then I just kind of, you know, uh, came to Australia and um, uh, didn't have obviously aim for another two years, you know, kind of, uh, and still working on one-on-ones and whatnot. It was all outdoors. Right. So, you know, obviously kind of, you know, I had my hands on obviously external loading, so weights and stuff like that. But the people that I was working with as well, I was like, fuck, you don't need weights. <laughs> you don't need weights right now. You know, it's like you're not even fucking aware of your body and you can't fucking control or influence your body right now. Like, you know, trying to fucking hold on to something, you know, external is just fucking like not great, you know, especially for upper body and things like that. Right. I think lower body, there's something else. But um, so that was the realization, I guess, you know, um, obviously at the same time. Uh, you know, I was doing jujitsu, you know, I was in love with it. And um, uh, so I started to kind of basically buckle down, you know, so I used to have like, you know, kind of like a, I call this, you know, the, the word project effective. And I was like, cool, well, I'm going to dedicate this amount of time to kind of just see, you know, like what, what's like, what can I do? And that's when the project mindset started to kind of set in for me. Um, effectively, you know, the way I view training is like, you know, uh, obviously we need to kind of give the body the right stress and the hope that body adapts to that said stress, right? So it's pretty simple, straightforward. It's, you know, kind of based in science. Um, but the brain, the primal brain for that matter, you know, it's like, well, I want fucking everything right now, <laughs> you know, kind of, and we try to chase too many things at the same time. So kind of being very disciplined in terms of like, okay, well, my focal point is this is my priority, which is only one, maybe two things at a time, not like five things like it normally was. Right. And to be able to then kind of truly see myself, you know, kind of excel and like, you know, kind of my, like, oh shit, I'm actually getting better at this, you know, kind of, and then, okay, let me just kind of put this down and, and go touch a cold piece of bar because I haven't lifted for so heavy for so long. I'm, I'm shrinking, you know, like, let me put some time there. I'm like, oh shit, actually I'm, I'm, I'm getting way better because I have this available to me now, that sort of thing. So that's kind of, I guess, the, the start of, you know, kind of working this, this project mindset effectively, you know, so um, to a point now where, you know, kind of rather than dedicating, you know, whatever, you know, six weeks or 12 weeks in certain things, I tend to kind of look at it as a, as a, as a yearly investment now, you know, so my primary goal is like, cool, this year, I want to really truly excel at this particular thing, which becomes like the anchoring for my major programming, you know, uh, as an example, this year was around, you know, squatting, you know, so like, you know, I've been squatting for the majority of the year, I mean, I, I love squatting anyway, um, you know, but obviously in there, there's a dump was halfway through the year, so I had to kind of make sure, you know, deadlift was part of it kind of thing. Um, and, you know, obviously I love my body weight stuff, so I had to make sure kind of at some time in the year that I was still kind of pursuing, you know, the high level stuff. But obviously during, you know, let's say developing my squats and lifting in particular, you know, uh, doing or uh, being in the middle of strength program, you know, I was 
you know, uh, able to obviously kind of put a little bit of volume type of work in for the upper body, right? So again, just kind of planning ahead a little bit and being able to manage myself and things like that. Um, uh, I've just started to kind of do jujitsu again. So that's a new kind of, you know, thing that's kind of back into my life after, you know, taking a break from three years. Um, so to me, I'm like, I'm now starting to kind of figure out, cool, like, you know, jujitsu is the priority, getting back on the mat. So I want to make sure, you know, that I'm creating the best environment to myself to make sure I get the most out of that, um, you know, without obviously kind of getting a divorce from my other goals effectively. So at the moment, I'm in this kind of this land where I'm trying to figure out what sort of stress can my body handle? you know, kind of, and, you know, not with the mindset of like putting on the edge so it breaks down and blows up in my face, but rather kind of like, cool, like, you know, how does it affect my, uh, my performance, you know, kind of in, in, in different things. So then you have this, like you push play a lot. And for me, that became important in my training as well, because I was like, why do we stop doing this as we get older? Like, you, you know, what you preach is essentially, we should never stop this idea of play and free movement. And then you incorporate it into warm ups and not just yourself, but also with the, the clients at the gym. So why is it so important to you to keep this, this idea of play that we had as a kid um, into adulthood and then, you know, forever on? Oh man, that's a really good question. And, and, and there are so many different ways we can kind of, you know, talk about this. Um, but let's start with the, you know, the, the most obvious one kind of thing. Um, you know, no one accidentally gets strong, right? You know, kind of, uh, you know, it, it, we need to kind of win by design effectively, right? No one wins by accident. I mean, it's very rare, right? Um, so, you know, in the industry that we're in, everything's so like science-based and evidence-based and that sort of thing. And that's where it's kind of sort of heading, right? It's so regimented and so structured and stuff like that. And then, you know, I'd be the first one to put my hand up and say like, you know, I'm definitely part of that, you know, kind of, I definitely believe in structure. Um, but that being said, you know, kind of unstructured work, there is this certain entity about it, you know, kind of uh, play such a powerful thing that, you know, kind of uh, we as adults, you know, kind of, or even kids these days really kind of, you know, don't have enough in our life effectively, right? So the way I, the way I view play is it comes from a plate of, you know, inquiry. Right. You know, kind of like, you know, you, you know, you're, you're not thinking like, OK, ABC or point A and point B sort of thing. It's more reactive. Right. And you're responding to what's happening in front of you. You're in this particular state effectively. Right. And the really cool thing when we think about play is that you're always willing to try, you know, things that you probably wouldn't if you kind of gave it some more thoughts effectively. Right. To get into certain positions or to react or whatever kind of thing. And the really cooler thing is like, you know, if it doesn't work. You're probably not going to try it again, but you're going to try find another way, right? And if something like you know doesn't quite work, but it was something there, like you're probably going to try to do that shit again and try be more playful, sort of thing, right? And there isn't anything like structured that allows us to do that, right? So to me, kind of being playful, um, it's a state of mind almost, right? You know, kind of like effectively, you know, say like you know stiff, you know stiff body, stiff mind kind of thing. You know, playful mind, you know, kind of it allows you to be malleable effectively, and that's what white belts are effectively. You know, kind of you know where we're trying to. Uh, figure shit out. So we're trying to problem solve, right? But to have fun at the same time, like it's a really nice way of framing it up, you know. Um, but coming back to you know the actual basing into let's say science as well in a, in a little bit, um, you know we train people most of the time super early in the morning or you know at the end of the day, right? You know when they've just woken up or they've just finished the day. For them to kind of you know 
come into a space and effectively stop thinking, you know, what's going to happen or that, you know, what's what happened today, you know, kind of um, uh, to change their state of mind into more like, okay, cool, I got to be present. Okay, now I got to, you know, be reactive, responsive and, and effectively kind of do the, you know, the workout thing, you know, kind of out of the head and more kind of, it's, it's a, such an amazing, you know, kind of uh, uh, scene effectively when we kind of, you know, play, you know, before our sessions. You know, like everybody becomes this fucking, you know, this kid, like, you know, kind of they become uh, more inquisitive, you know, kind of the, the work they kind of produce after that, you know, kind of uh, is super powerful. Does that make sense? You know, kind of yeah. like and, and, you know, we often say to kind of people because uh, in my eyes it's true, you know, like, you know, how you play, you know, how you play is how you play in life. You know, kind of, so if you're not open to playing, if you're fucking super competitive, if you're like super grumpy or like you're super like, you know, like, oh, I don't think, you know, like that's probably a reflection of who you are as, a, as well. Yeah. Does that make sense? 100%. And I think, bringing, you know, and bringing that back into the, the real world, you know, kind of, I think through play, we can actually create opportunities where, you know, kind of we can teach, you know, so many important aspects of life, you know, and that obviously will trickle down to training as well. Things like, you know, when I say social intelligence, right? If you're a fucking savage, a handball, but somebody's so uncoordinated, like you're not gonna just fucking keep hitting winners, right? Like you're gonna yeah. you're gonna bring it down to their level. You're gonna be able to try something for yourself. You become, you know what I mean? Because when yeah. they're competitive, like we're just fucking like trying to, you know, be competitive, right? We're gonna be doing our best kind of thing. We're not really gonna be again inquisitive. It's more aggressive play. So there are different kind of plays too. Um, and the beautiful thing is, like you know, coming back to uh, that analogy, uh, you know, kind of. Uh, of the basic, you know, kind of, which is super subjective. Like play is also subjective. You know what I mean? Kind of like, yeah. Um, so yeah, man, like, you know, I truly believe in play. I think it's, a, it's such a, a important state of mind that we need to kind of keep and really kind of for us to bring everything together. It's a nice way to express all the structured work as well. You know, we often say kind of, you know, you don't playfully get strong. You know what I mean? Kind of, yeah. uh, however, you know, kind of, um, <laughs> if you're strong, you can play pretty, you know, pretty well too. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, the idea. It, what I like about it is that, like you said, you can when you come in and someone goes, right, we're doing this drill, like this playful drill. You instantly have to switch off from what's gone on in the day or what bad things have gone on in the week. You can't think about them because you've got to think about this. Like for example, the drill you use with the with the stick, where people will move. One person will move the stick, and the other person's got to avoid it. You've got you, all you can focus on is moving around that stick and how your body can move into positions that it's not used to how it feels oh maybe this isn't too good actually maybe that's something i can work on later you've got to think about these things and then also sure. from like the science point of view where it's preparing so someone who say has a desk job nine to five they sat down all day if they're going to do deadlifts they want to be you need them to be physically prepared and that's helping wake up you know the body to be like right now's the time we can go and we can lift these things rather than coming straight from the desk to the gym, a little warm up that's maybe not done much. And all of a sudden they tweak the back. It completely changes it. For sure. And you know, this is a whole intent of play, right? It is simply there at a very simple terms to stimulate the body and the mind, right? That's at the simplest form, right? You know, kind of, and again, you know, we can obviously put certain parameters in there and we can dictate what we're looking for. So like, you know, just using that stick game as a, you know, we call it like Dal Zen Archer effectively. Um, you know, we can put constraints. It's like, cool, you know, you can't move your legs, just the spine and your hands and the head as an example, right? You know, or the person actually leading with the Dal, it's like, hey, we can play downstairs, you know, but they can't pick their feet up. 
right? So their feet are glued to the ground. Now that, that's a whole different thing. You know what I mean? As opposed to less kind of, you know, more capoeira style. It's like, okay, you can, now you've got to avoid the dowel. We're going to go a little bit of, you know, higher tempo and, you know, you can be on the ground for this or whatever. So, you know, there are so many different ways we can present same ideas or even better, we can start to layer these concepts and ideas together. Does that make sense? So like, actually we can make that play dare I say, more structured, right? You know, kind of it's like, you know, putting these parameters in. But again, enough, you know, there are parameters in there with the idea or the view of like, you know, having enough freedom for the person to actually do the thing as well, right? Yeah. You know, kind of, um, I'm trying to think what's a, a really good example. Um, you know, uh, you know, we play something called like a, a handball on a box as an example kind of thing, right? So, you know, one of the things we always say with our play is like, you know, yes, we want to be able to be competitive. We want to be competitive in a manner where the other person has an opportunity, right? So, you know, kind of uh, another word saying like, you know, don't be a dick, right? You know, don't bounce the ball so high that it comes over the shoulders. That's a dick move, right? You know, if you're like hitting like clear winners and which was unplayable, that's also a dick move. Don't be a dick, you know, kind of. And, you know, and it's all obviously tongue in cheek, but it's also kind of, you know, it's a really cool way to, you know, kind of, you know, talk to people and communicate with people, right? Especially those competitive people. You know, kind of like, hey, let's see if we can outskill somebody as opposed to just outwork, right? You know, kind of as opposed to those people who may not be skilled. It's like, cool, let's outwork this person. You know, so it's yeah. like, it's, it's a completely different headspace effectively. But it's a beautiful so, one. Oh, 100%. It is beautiful. Um, to take it back where you mentioned, you know, you, are, you used to have like a lot of goals and you didn't know how to manage them. How have you learned to manage and prioritize goals? Mm. Again, a really good question. <sighs> One of the things that I always take, you know, kind of comfort in is the fact that I have, you know, obviously big goals and high expectations of myself, but um, uh, I don't have a certain, you know, time constraints, if, if that makes sense. You know, like, so, you know, as an example, you know, I had 180 kilos as a squat, you know, intention, you know, kind of this year. Um, but I didn't, you know, have like by July or by X, Y, Z, that sort of thing, you know, I'm like, cool, that's the intention. And, you know, having that in my intention wall means like, that's something that's a priority. Does that make sense? You know, kind of yeah. having, I'm trying to look what's, what else is there, um, you know, jujitsu, you know, kind of get it back into it. Like all I want is like consistency. So like, you know, I can go for obviously full hands, but I'm like, cool. Now I'm going to try train three times, four times a week, try and hit the mats as many times as possible. But I'm like, Nah, I just want to be able to hit two sessions consistently a week, and I want to see if I can do that consistently for X amount of time, as an example, right? So again, like there are different ways that I have to kind of you know go about um, choosing my priorities effectively. But as I mentioned before, I only have one or two in mind, and they take precedence. So like it's not to say that I'm not going to pursue other things or work on other things, as an example, but they take the priority. Does that make sense? You know, so yeah. kind of you know. Um, as an example, as mentioned, the squat and jiu-jitsu as an example, uh, obviously I had to squat, right, you know, once a week at some point in some capacity. Um, and, you know, for that current looks like is I'm, I'm working on a front, sorry, front squat at the moment, something I haven't done throughout the, you know, the whole year effectively. Um, that means I don't have to lift heavy, right? That's another reason while I'm, you know, kind of trying to hit the mats a little more consistently effectively. Um, but I do have other strength sessions in there, more body weight. Right. So I'm like, cool. Well, you know, I don't want to give up my one arm chin ups or handstand push up as an example. Right. But I just want to do more maintenance work, you know, kind of. Um, uh, and then the straight arm work as well. So I have like, you know, one lower body sessions and two upper body sessions kind of thing, purely because I was, you know, working the previous training block was, you know, again, trying to you know do a strength program on the squat once a week. 
but you know the other three were like all upper body, right? So we're all kind of gearing towards you know laying down base for you know handstand push-ups and um, uh, one-arm chin-ups and planches and levers effectively. Um, so now I have to manage them in a slightly different way. It doesn't mean I need to kind of stop them, right? But I can't work them with the the same volume or intensity in mind. So that the things that I choose have to be like cool things to tick over, right? Without breaking the bank in squat days or basically jiu-jitsu days kind of thing. So that makes it more interesting, you know, kind of, um, and it's still structured in that manner. So you say like, obviously you have lower days and upper days, but I'm pretty sure from what I'm seeing, you don't just do like a, like, you know, like a bodybuilding style lower day. You have doses of upper, you have doses of flexibility, mobility in there. So how do you structure those, putting those like micro doses of different movements into different days? Um, okay, let me try to strip this back a little bit. Um, so, you know, using front squat as an example, you know, kind of I'm on a 12-week program effectively, right? Where I'm, t- I'm basically kind of working towards a five by five at a certain weight, 110 to be exact, right? Um, from week one, I've, you know, 24 reps, right? When five by five is 25, right? But the way I'm viewing it is like, well, the first week I did like, you know, I think eight sets of three reps or whatever it was, you know, a couple of more, I can't remember now. But every week, effectively, I had a rep in the first set. So, like, you know, four, in the second week would be four reps, then three, 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 two, right? And then it'd be like four, four, three, three, three. So it's like always doing that, you know, same amount of volume, but it's dense. So every week, I'm kind of compacting this kind of thing. So that squat takes the precedent, right? Um, but because I'm like, you know, structuring that squat, whatever kind of thing. So, you know, for uh, the first, you know, let's say three, four weeks or whatever kind of stuff, I can choose my accessories. All right, so which are going to be a little bit more kind of volume. So in this case, I've got like, you know, deadlift as an example, right? And weighted dips, right? Just so, you know, three movements. That's what I'm working for, you know, kind of uh, my squat day. Like there's the other big daddies, whatever kind of stuff, for the deadlift and uh, dips, but just for three sets. But they have really, really high volume, right? So, you know, kind of like 10 reps, right? Uh, yeah. You know, um, and that's going to happen. That's happened consistently for mm, four, five weeks now, I think. You know, so then I'll change the, the accessories up as the you know the squats gets a little bit different, right? Um, versus let's say you know kind of the uh, one arm chin up and the handstand push up day as an example. You know, kind of I've just been doing the actual you know one arm chin singles and handstand push ups, you know singles and doubles. Um, and between that, I was just putting a flexibility element in there, right? And then from this week, I'm going to go into more of a higher volume. Right, to kind of for that one, I'm chin and handstand push up for another four or five weeks. So that's going to present a different opportunity to kind of you know, implement different accessory work, as an example. So that's how I kind of fit things in. So I've got my priorities. So the main, you know, kind of main work effectively that I know this is what I'm going to be building out for over the next whatever weeks and you know that sort of thing. And then the cool thing is I get to, as you say, you know, micro doses. You use the terminology, you know, kind of bring elements in that obviously is appropriate, right? Um, and that's how I tend to kind of manage things. And obviously outside that, you know, kind of. You know, I still move, you know, kind of stretch when I need to, that sort of thing. Uh, obviously, I still lead sessions and stuff like that, you know, kind of. Um, obviously, I don't do the sessions, but, you know, a big part of the way we program effectively is, you know, uh, we have a long extended preparatory work, uh, which is effectively our way of saying, you know, you got to eat your veggies before the meat, you know, so that's a non-negotiable way. So, you know, that's all the low intensity allows us to kind of do things at a higher frequency, you know, things like the wrist prep, opening the shoulders up, opening the hips up and things like that, that can happen on a regular basis. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, so obviously you do a lot of training and now you're incorporating jiu-jitsu again, which is, you know, there's a lot of uncontrollables in jiu-jitsu where you can end up with injuries. Like for me, I I subluxed my shoulder at jiu-jitsu a month ago, so I'm out now. Like I'm out for another month and it's annoying, but you can't control it. So 
what sort of things do you do for recovery to get around like you know the amount of training you do the amount of coaching you do because obviously it is all quite fatiguing work mm. so one of the key things that i have to think uh when it comes to this is you know obviously my bandwidth um you know i alluded to before that uh, currently i'm still kind of going through this stage where i'm trying to figure out like what's the appropriate stress that my body can handle right you know yeah. kind of and you know i didn't start with trying to push everything to limit it's more so i've taken like okay there's the ramp there's what i could be doing or what i may want to kind of do but i'm going to be like stepping right the way back and i'm going to walk to this ramp and create momentum and that kind of thing right so you know that's the approach that i like to take things right so you know when i'm starting a project it's not like you know balls to the ground kind of thing more so like okay i'm going to create momentum because then I sort of kind of understand where I'm actually at and whether I can do this sustainably for a period of time or not, right? Um, then coming back to the, the recovery side of things, you know, um, simplest way that I like to think about it is, you know, am I actually creating the right environment for myself to be able to do these things? So, you know, it sounds like I do a lot of training and whatnot. It's structured and there are periods when I push hard and there are certain, you know, kind of times or periods in, uh, in the year when everything is like with, with design that, you know, I'm pushing the body. Um, but it's very, very, you know, like that pushing would be like maybe four weeks or five weeks, you know, out of 16 weeks, as an example, you know, like currently at the moment, you know, I'm doing two jujitsu sessions, right? So one squat session and then, you know, like two upper body sessions, which is like not very long effectively, right? So it's like maybe, maybe we can say three seven sessions and then two jujitsu sessions, right? Um, so like, you know, I'm still playing around with that effectively, right? But obviously, you know, simple things like, you know, resting well and you know eating well all that kind of stuff you know like you, you get out what you put in effectively right you know so kind of those are the simple simplest anabolic things you can be doing that a lot of people don't do right yeah. you know it's just like sleep and eat you know what i mean kind of and, and just give your body the right dosages um as far as coming back to the the injuries with the uh the juice and stuff like that um you're absolutely right you know it's definitely an uncontrollable uh scenario right or situations but even though kind of the mindset that I have for jiu-jitsu and the way I go about training, you know, kind of isn't just like the, the traditional, like just going to go fucking rip it up kind of thing. It's very, very intentional, you know, kind of in uh, the situations that I put myself in, you know, obviously there's the drilling, there's the technical work and that sort of thing. But most of the sparring that I do is kind of mostly, you know, kind of um, more positional, you know, kind of. So, you know, my the way I see it, the, the place that I'm at currently, um, you know, to me, it's more radical, the application of the techniques that I'm doing. Obviously, that needs to be in a live scenario for sure. But I want to set myself up so I can then actually, you know, be able to express or demonstrate that. Does that make sense? You know, so rather yeah. than kind of like, you know, the, the normal primal brain kicking in, it's like, okay, let's just fucking go at it, you know, kind of, and let's just fucking rip each other's head off kind of thing. Um, so, you know, like who I, who I chose to roll with, the sort of kind of rolling type that I do, the sort of situations I put in, that's still kind of like, you know, that's managed effectively, right? And it has to be um and that the, needs to be built up over time as well yeah the picking who you roll with is an interesting one because like obviously sometimes you can if you like the gym i train at here is like incredible the people are incredible everyone knows like you know we're not out to kill each other but at some gyms you do get those people and i think you have to be very very mindful of it because it can cause like you know it could cause the your Achilles an Achilles rupture in an instant. If they, you know, if they if people are like that, it's yeah, for a sure. very intense environment. And you know, bringing back that that playful environment kind of thing, the the the, the concept of play back into this conversation. Um, you know, I talked about kind of the social intelligence. You know, kind of the, the physical, you know, intelligence, if you like. You know, kind of that's something that a lot of people don't have. 
you know, kind of, and, uh, you know, let's say putting back into the context, you know, a lot of people may have vocabulary in terms of like, cool, execution about this technique in terms of, you know, like strangulation, breaking points, X, Y, Z kind of thing. And that's what they think, you know, that's like the most important, that's, you know, I'm going to get my way there and I'm going to basically fucking apply this, you know, kind of as, you know, uh, that's where most of the damaging things happen effectively, you know, kind of, and that's the whole idea of jujitsu is to kind of, you know, control somebody, then, you know, put them into a submission, you know, kind of, yeah. um, but that being said, effectively, you know, kind of the control bit is something that, you know, isn't heavily emphasized, <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, I'm just going to throw myself on that fucking ankle or th- on that arm or, you know, kind of behind that neck, whatever kind of thing. I'm going to hold them for dear life, you know. Um, so choosing, coming back to the choosing that, you know, kind of partners and stuff like that, not a lot of places, not a lot of academies also, you know, they don't emphasize or teach how to roll or how to drill together or how to get the most out of that. Does that make sense? You know, kind of, um, you know, you would know that through experience that, you know, like even drilling is an example, right? You know, kind of it's like either people are super fucking passive or just people are just dicks. You know what I mean? There's never somebody like who's like the right level, you know, like, you know, cool, like, you know, cool, one for one or whatever it is. You let that build and like, you know, slowly applying resistance and X, Y, Z. But, you know, the idea of drilling is that, cool, I'm trying to execute this particular task or this technique. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't need somebody to be like, you know, if somebody's super passive, like, like that's not going to happen in this way. I can't do this in the real role. Right. Versus like, if someone's not allowing me to come to the drilling or the technique properly because they're providing too much resistance. It's like, how the fuck am I supposed to learn? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's some guys who I've rolled with who are absolutely incredible because what they, what they'll do is like, you know, sometimes people, the way they'll drill is say for a rear naked choke, for example, they'll, get into the rear naked choke position and they'll go with the arms across and finish there. But they don't actually apply the pressure. Whereas some of the guys who I roll with, they're like, apply the pressure and I'll tap when I'm ready. Because the, the their philosophy behind it is, is like, you need to get into the position where you can make someone tap. Otherwise, if you go to competition or get into a situation, you may not be able to make them tap or do what you need to do with it. For sure. And, you know, this is why, you know, there's time and a place. Right. And um, coming back to that, the competitive mindset and the environment, you know, kind of piece. Right. There needs to be some sort of education around it. You know what I mean? Kind of like the the nature of the live roles is and I don't want to kind of, you know, take away, take anything away from jujitsu, like, you know, kind of in terms of the the live rolling and stuff like that. A lot of people think a lot of people's learning realistically happens through live roles. Let's put it that way. This is why live rollings are so, you know, kind of uh, uh, more attractive. Right. You know, it's like. Technique, yeah, like, okay, slow motion, this was it, but it's like, let's go, okay, let's hit it. And then it's like, you know, you feel good about yourself and you're like, fuck, I didn't get tapped today or like, you know, fuck, like I, I, I submitted this many fucking people, heck, whatever. But the, I think even a cooler thing would be to kind of, you know, um, start in a position or go with intention. It's like the training. You know, I'm cool, I'm going to squat today and my focus is on, boom, improving this, right? You know, yes, I'm trying to attain this weight or I'm trying to shift this much, whatever kind of thing, but in jiu-jitsu, it's not like that. You know, it's just, it's like, well, who's going to be there today? And okay, well, you know, the goal is to submit, (laughs) right? Versus, you know, the headspace that we try to go through is effectively like, cool, this is the position that I'm working in. So everything I'm going to do, I'm going to fuck that. If I have a rear naked open, I'm back. I'm not trying to take the back, you know, like I'm going to try to do everything to get on mount as an example, maybe. Right. And I'm going to try then from mount, I'm going to try kind of, you know, finish this person off because that's my sole focus. You know, yeah. if I have to take somebody's back, whatever kind of thing, it doesn't mean, you know, kind of I'm obviously going to give them that kind of thing, but I'm not trying to, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? It's just like, cool, I'm going to start this process again. 
and it's only by forcefully doing that and like having that headspace is a little bit different. Does that make sense? You know, yeah, kind yeah. of like, but obviously it takes two to tango. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. if, if somebody's really fucking like, you know, not, not jamming with you, not vibing with you and you know, they're like just fucking, you know, it's like, well, I just need to finish this guy off. Right. And that's how it starts. <laughs> yeah. The best, the best guys who I've rolled with are the ones who, when I'm, you know, say I'm inside control and I may have moved a certain way, they'll go stop there this is what you could have done and this is what you could have had. And they'll show me how to get it. And then they'll go, right, drill it. I drill it and they go, right, okay, done. Go back to the position you're in or go again. And then like we roll from there. Like, so then you've got that sort of, you know, that stimulus in your head of like, oh, if I was there, I could have achieved yeah. that. And then it and comes back eventually for you. Correct. And, you know, that's, that's the thing, right? You know, kind of, but to do that consciously and do it consistently, that's where the goal is. You know what I mean? So like, it shouldn't yeah. be just a case of like, you know, a high level belt kind of pointing that shit out and then creating those opportunities out because to be fair, then it's taken away from his learning opportunity too. Does that make sense? And this is why yeah. not everybody does it too, right? I mean, let's be really candid. You know, I talked about being a dictator at the basic level and you know, that sort of thing, right? But from a martial arts perspective for us, you know, and this is, this is to be good at anything in period, you know, kind of it's like, we need to do the right thing for us, right? That's like what we're saying is like the stress that we need, you know, kind of in the hope that, you know, obviously we kind of grow, right? But really, that's not the only way we actually grow. We need to kind of do the two, you know, the, the two steps behind what we think we should be doing, right? It's like, you know, to be able to roll with a white belt where I can fucking some, you know, I can fuck somebody up, you know, where I can basically influence and instill my game, you know, kind of that's also really important because I get to try it. Being playful, as I was talking about before, like if I'm winning all the time, I actually want to challenge myself to see if I can win in a slightly different way or be able to influence that. And I can only do that with this person. <laughs> Does that make yeah. sense? Because I'm like, yeah. I'm super chilled, I'm relaxed, this is gonna go. But somebody nearly at my level who's, a, you know, like giving me that right challenge and where it's like, you know, one for one kind of thing, that's the right stimulus, right? But then we also then need the third and last, the fucking higher belt to kick our asses, yeah. to, the, to do the work that's exposing, to kind of fucking, oh shit, yeah, that's heavy. You know what I mean? Kind of yeah. like to, so we need this, uh, this, this nice blend of like having an ass kicked, being able to kiss someone, you know, kicks, not kiss, kick someone's <laughs> ass. Right. And then of course that right stimulus where we're going to be like, okay, now, now actually can, this is how I can actually apply or impose or defend or, you know, be on the offensive or defensive, that sort of thing. Um, and that's a nice blend. That's how we grow. That's how we grow in life. You know, like if there isn't enough challenge, we're not going to grow. And that's why the rolling is so attractive, as I mentioned before. People see it as like the, you know, kind of like that's the best place they kind of learn. You know, it's like, well, you're going to be the competition mindset. You know, like you're just hanging off a deer. Like, you know, like, well, if somebody, if there's somebody, you know, better, um, if there's somebody else who's got better physical attributes than you do, um, guess what? They're going to win fucking every single time because, you know, you don't have the technique to actually fucking finish them off. And they have the strength, let's say, or the flexibility to fend you off. Yeah. Does that make sense, right? And normally competition happens, guess what? In the same weight categories as it, you know, that sort of thing. So it really comes out to the skill level and whatnot, right? So, you know, again, it's, it's, it's this nice blend. I'm not saying kind of, you know, don't do live rolling, what kind of thing. It's like being able to dictate that, you know? I think it's a, it's a really important part or at least having phases, you yeah. know, kind of where you just go, I'm gonna work on this. So bringing this all in together, uh, one question I wanted to ask you was, because obviously you have a young daughter, don't you? So not just with her, but also with the, the, your tribe and stuff. How, you know, how have you developed as a role model? Because obviously for all these people, you are a role model. And now more from the parent side of it, you were a role model as well. Like you see these videos where you're doing different exercises in front of your daughter. And then like, you know, you, you're also being playful in between. Like how has that developed over time? 
Um, I'm not really sure how to respond to that. I mean, kind of, I don't think I'm really going out of my way to change anything or be any different. You know, I think uh, that's just my personality type. Um, you know, I alluded to before that I'm a student first, you know, teacher second kind of thing. So a big part of, you know, our ethos here is, we you know, as coaches, as leaders, we have to walk the walk first and foremost, right? And that's the simplest way I'd like to think about it. Like, you know, I'm doing the things um, that I believe in, you know, in the manner that I believe them in. And, um, you know, this, this, uh, this responsibility that I have, you know, kind of of having my tribe and, you know, my family under my wing effectively, let's say, you know, let's put it that way. Um, you know, it's my responsibility to lead from the front, you know, so kind of like to do things uh, that I expect, you know, kind of of myself, um, you know, hopefully that's an example for others, you know, kind of it's like, uh, you know, for coaches, the way we kind of frame it up is, you know, we have to walk the walk to be able to carve our own path, you know, kind of, and, and while we're carving our path, you know, kind of where it seems to be like ahead of the pack effectively, right? You know, everybody sees behind our head, right? But at the front, we're like, you know, like just hacking and chopping and changes kind of thing. Like, you know, we can only see so far ahead. But from the back, it's like, man, like, you know, like, look at Vic. He's doing fucking crazy, whatever, blah, 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 whatever kind of thing. Um, to me, it's just like, you know, it comes with the, the, the responsibility, the role that I have, you know, kind of. And um, as I, you know, kind of through this conversation uh, was alluding to earlier, um, to me, it's a very instinctual thing, you know, like a... a you know, I do this because I, I, I love it, you know, I'm super passionate about it, you know, kind of then um, at a very selfish level, you know, I want to still keep developing myself and I still want to keep sharpening, you know, kind of um, everything I have, you know, and, and, and the way I can help others first and foremost is by helping myself, <laughs> yeah. right? That sounds selfish, but, you know, that's, that's a huge belief of mine, you know, kind of, and of course, you know, that in turn, hopefully is, you know, setting examples, you know, I call it with, uh, with Kaya, that's my baby girl's name. You know, kind of like it's aggressive role modeling. <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of like, you know, so if I'm lifting heavy with her, or like, you know, she loves coming into the space, and you know, she, Daddy, are we going to train today? You know, kind of like, can I coach you? That sort of thing. Um, and she has a really, you know, good relationship with people who are here. They've got like, aims people, aims people, um, and you know, like her social uh, intelligence, you know, and the way she holds herself in her circle, you know, at the kindy and stuff like that. She's a leader in that space, you know, a lot of kids are shy and that, that, that kind of thing, which is all cool, you know, but it's really, really cool to see without having to kind of, you know, push Kaya, obviously kind of, you know, a director kind of thing, she's her own person, you yeah. know, kind of, and um, I don't think that was by accident either, you know, kind of like, you know, um, so yeah, there's something to be said around that. <laughs> I, I want to I want to wrap it up here because I feel like it's been a great conversation and there's so much people can take from it. But one final question I want to ask you is how would you like to be remembered? Ooh, that's a really, really good question. Oh, um, you know, I think kind of uh, before Kaya, obviously, you know, I wanted to, I would have probably said, you know, kind of obviously I want to be remembered for, you know, kind of, you know, what, I, what I've done, right? And the people that I've worked with, the, the impact that I've had in the world and what kind of thing. And um, to some extent, it's still the same, you know, kind of obviously I want to, you know, uh, I want to have left, you know, kind of things, um, you know, you know, kind of knowing that I've made a, a dent or an impact you know, in people's lives. Um, but just before that, you know, kind of, I would say now, you know, kind of, I want to be, you know, to use your words, then kind of being, be the, the best role model that I can, you know, for my baby girl, you know, so that way I can create the opportunities for her um, to be confident and to have a trust in herself, to be her own person, you know, to be able to kind of, 
um, you know, for her to be lead, you know, to to be able to kind of lead from the front in whatever she chooses to do. Um, so yeah, so like you know, to be able to kind of impact Kai in a way that she becomes the most powerful, you know, kind of uh, person for herself, you know, kind of, um, and to have impacted you know kind of others in, in the most positive way that I can. Amazing. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I can't thank you enough for your time. Where can people find you online and support you in whatever you do? Um, obviously, the most simplest and commonplace is the Instagram, the gram, uh, Vic Hawksley. Um, obviously, we have our website as well, anatomyemotion.com.eu. Um, you know, kind of obviously, if you're in Sydney, if you want to work face-to-face or whether you're a coach around the world, um, that's a really good place to kind of get started. We have some free resources in there as well. Um, and, um, you know, in the near future, we'll have uh, um, some online support, you know, online programming community. Uh, that's what we're kind of working towards, you know, to give people a little bit of, um, and our beliefs around foundation and fundamentals. Um, so hopefully, you know, if, you know, that's something in the future that people can have as well. Amazing. Thank you very much. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Ethan. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Quantum Podcast. I hope you really enjoyed it. And Vic, thank you for your time. This was a really great conversation, really insightful, and I can't thank you enough. So I hope you all enjoyed it. Please like, subscribe, and share with anyone who may be interested. And I will see you next Monday for another episode.